Welcome to episode 13 of the Line in the Sand, um, the Line in the Sand podcast. My name's Hamish, and I'm joined by Amos again tonight, and we we are going to digest and discuss all things draft night. How are you, Amos? Good, Hamish. Good, good. Nothing to complain about tonight, thankfully. So, forward to a, a bright sunny day tomorrow. Excellent. Well, I have been in lockdown for near well over two weeks now. I've um, I caught the dreaded COVID, unfortunately, but that has given me plenty of time to um, digest the two nights of draft coverage and read all the follow-up articles about Essendon's picks and um, get excited about how we're now in that premiership window. I'm very much <laughs> looking forward to 2022. Yeah, well, yeah. But, I, 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 Seeing as you're an Essendon fan and he lives in Essendon, it's not really a surprise you caught the Rona. But uh, <laughs> um, yes, but no, you've done your time, mate, given yeah. you, you had to uh, wait out the rest of the family as well before you were the last to get there. So, um, yes, yes we, it's all... we, we wish you a happy Thursday. It, it's all fun and games, <laughs> but um, we'll get there in the end. And um, thankfully, I have the internet and Facebook and good friends uh, who sent me whiskey and other things to um, get, get through the day or get through the evenings, I must say. <laughs> what did you think of the draft coverage, Amos? Uh, look, I, it was a bit clunky for me on Fox footy and it's no fault of Fox footies really when you think about it, given they've got draft sites everywhere. Uh, the London Tavern, that was an interesting choice for obviously one of the management groups to a mm. hole up. Um, and then you've got a, Factor in WA, uh, South Australia, uh, and, and all that. Plus, you know, having footage at the at Marvel Stadium in all the boxes and things with the the coaching groups and recruiting groups and things. So, um, I I think if I was Fox Footy and you know anyone else covering it, I'd be praying and hoping that next year it's all in one location at uh, you know a big convention center like they've done before prior to COVID. So, yeah. yeah yeah i think you're right i think they did the best of what they could with the circumstances but it seemed that a few times there were just tech issues whether it was the zoom calls into some of the houses um with some of the um recruits that weren't at one of the bigger functions or just some delays in the tv coverage meant that yeah. the interview seemed a bit off whack well it even happened with pick one yeah mm. the most uh overblown and I'm not bagging uh, Jason Hort Francis here by any means but you know everyone knew who it was going to be and uh, he still had to watch his own pick on his phone and try and act surprised yeah because there was some <laughs> yeah. about a month mm, yeah because there was some um, TV problem in the venue that he was at so the TV um, froze on him and then yeah he had to watch the stream on the phone before it got through to him yeah so uh, a nice touch with Blighty presenting the jumper mm. uh, I thought but um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the, I'm sure the AFL, Fox Footy and everyone else is hoping that next year it's at all at Marvel Stadium or, mm. you know, all in the one location um, and that sort of thing. I, just makes for better better production values, I think. Oh, so, yeah, and it makes it easier for Fox Footy as well. You don't have to have quite so many cameras or um, yeah. or issues with streaming and other things there as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, but I... I to be honest, though, last year and even this year, I did like the the uh, the pub scene. I thought that was that's pretty good. I mean, last this year they were a bit slicker than last year with the interviews. Mm-hmm. You know, the boys were almost on camera as soon as they'd been picked, and it was almost like they got picked ten minutes ago, hugged all their family and, and friends or whatever, and then 
Ben that up for the interview, but it all yeah. happened. Well, I would assume it was in real time because of the clock. Yeah, you know, every team being on the clock for five minutes. But yeah. um, um, it was a pretty slick operation on uh, on the first night. So, yeah, uh, you got the impression that they'd um, worded up the potential draft picks. It's like, hey, if you get picked, yeah, we're going to pull you aside, and you need to like, yes, do your hugs with the close family, but come and do the interview, and then go back and celebrate with everybody. Correct. Else. Yeah, exactly. So, but I liked um, yeah, you know, the boys all spoke really well. I mean. Can you imagine being gifted? Well, not gifted because it's all hard work, obviously, mm. but pretty much gifted your lifelong dream to that point and then having to be coherent in front of a TV camera with Tom Morris, who you've probably spoken to once in your life yeah, or I, whoever, the, whoever the reporter was, you know. So I, I think ask. I, I'm not sure, I, you know, I, I was fairly full of myself as a private school boy at 18, but I, I'm not sure I could have been as eloquent as a lot of those guys were Um on interview as well. I can't think of any that were really sort of train wrecks. Yes, they didn't say much, but they all spoke quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was definitely full of myself and probably hasn't changed really, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think I could have been anywhere near as coherent as that. Mm. You know, when you've just been handpicked to go and play in the greatest sport ever. So yeah. yeah. What, what about the draft experts? What did you think of all the commentators and experts that were on? Um, I think they all do pretty well. I mean, like obviously Fox footy uh, word up their talent a lot and use obviously some, I won't say no names, but, you know, second or third tier names to do all the draft research and everything like that. Mm. And they do have their own, you know, um, guys who put out the articles throughout the year about who's firing in the underage competitions and things like that. So, and then obviously, you know, the David Kinks, excuse me, of the world, coming over the top on, on draft night, which is fair enough. That's, mm. you know, uh, and they can give some really good insights. Um, all in all, I think that's pretty good. Um, you know, if I wasn't in a position to watch Fox footy, I'd probably stream the AFL cast because I quite like the podcast that Kel and Toomey and Nat Edwards and that do road to the draft. So um, I'll probably stream that, but uh, with kids and whatever else, it's just easier to have the TV on in the background. Yep. And, yeah. So, um, yeah, so but I, I think it's pretty good. You know, the fact that they get Mick Ablett, who's the AFL, and Kevin Shifter-Sheehan, the ever-present, mm. evergreen Kevin Shifter-Sheehan, you know, to cast their eye over the picks. It lends a, uh, a fair bit of authenticity to it. So, yeah. Well, but, you know, according to Sheehan, every every player was a great find for the club. Oh, yeah. Was, you know, like, yeah. Amazing yeah. find. And, yeah. No one had spotted it before. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he's sorry. But I mean, he, yeah, that's his one night of the year, isn't it? Yeah. If he's got cliche after cliche and up his sleeve, so I suppose. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's really hard, I think, for those kind of guys because they're probably more across the junior programs than anyone else. And how much are they across the AFL programs and trying to transition mm. that knowledge to say, yeah, that's a great pick on a needs basis yeah. or they've clearly picked the best available talent or, you know, they had so-and-so snatch him under their noses so they've just gone with the next pick and looked like a bit of desperation or whatever it was, you know, because of the yeah. five-minute, you know, so there was not much of that. Mm. Um, but also I think, you know, the fact that um, the top eight picks were as predicted um, didn't lend too much of an element of surprise either, so, mm. yeah. 
what about the coverage over two nights? Do you think it needed the two nights? Do you think it should have been over more nights? Do you think they could have cut it back to one? Yeah. Um, well, I did one night last year, understandably, not knowing what impacts COVID would have and you know, just basically having to get it done, um, I think, because of the late finish to the season and all the rest of it. Uh, and it went forever, let's be honest. Mm. And only nerds like you and I are going to sit through all of it. So, um, uh, I personally don't like the two night. Like, I'd rather just get it all over and done with. Yeah. Uh, however, I don't think that lends itself to what the AFL want to drive, which is, you know, dramatic pick trading and teams sliding up and down the order based on who's all of a sudden available on the board and this sort of stuff. So, you know. Uh, I think two nights is here to stay um, COVID permitting. Yeah, 60 plus, I think it was 65 picks. 60 plus picks is a, it's a long night um, if you try and do it in one night. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I, speaking of, you know, sliding up and down the picks, there, I, I didn't think there were as many pick trades as I thought there would be, or as many as was probably we were led to believe there would be by some, some in the media, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, it was certainly touted as being, you know, a lot of teams trying to get into the drafts. Uh, you know, the, use the Bombers as a case in point. Mm. Pick in the top, was it pick 13 it ended up being? Um, and then not much until... 46 was then. 46, pick. yeah. So, yeah. and that, even that slid forward because of academy picks and things like mm. that. So, um, I, my theory on this is twofold. Um, you know, because there were a couple of what you would term bolters picked late, in the first round, uh, teams like Fremantle um, and that thought, no, nah, we're gonna, we're not gonna give up our first pick in the second round because there's an absolute jet waiting to be mm. stopped. And you know, and if he doesn't, if we don't pick him, someone else is going to. Um, and there was a fair few picks like that. Like I think, um, you know, Hawthorne would have, uh, from the, that perspective, certainly tried to get into the first round, but a lot of clubs probably would have said. Uh, well, there's a lot of available talent uh, and we don't want to jeopardise our chance to pick them up, you know. And, you know, maybe let's use our two clubs as, as an example. And I'm not saying that Hawthorne's picks uh, are anywhere near the value of Essendon's at, you know, 13. Um, but, you know, let's say I got on the phone and said, hey, Hamish, I've got 23 and 26. That'll give you two picks in the top 26. At the moment, you've only mm. got one. How about it? You might go in other years. You might go away and say, you know what? That's not There's a lot deal. of depth here. Why not? Yeah, we'll take it. Mm. Um, whereas this year, I think clubs kept their powder dry, and a lot of it is because there's just no um, footage or vision of the majority of the Victorian boys because they played so little footy. Mm. And yeah, as we know, every year that's where at least 70 percent of the draft comes from. Yeah. So yeah, what about you? What do you what do you think about it? Um. Oh, look, I, I'm kind of with you. I think um, try and get it into one night. Um, but if the pick trades come and if that happens in the future, I think that because that extends the negotiation time between picks, it's going to blow it out to um, sort of, you know, yeah, see, I think it was six hours over the two nights. If you if you blow it out with that, seven or eight hours is a long sitting and um, yeah. not sure that even even a station like Fox Footy is going to want to have the same program for yeah. that long because they're just going to lose their audience and 
the cost of putting on that production on the one night instead of two is probably incredibly expensive as well. And, you know, by the time you, you know, we're talking about 18 year old boys here, by the time you get to late yeah. in the night, especially if they're having some of their functions at the pub, you never know um, how <laughs> rowdy some of those um, scenes are going to get. Yeah, correct. And, and I mean, by that stage, the real stories is who's not been picked versus who yeah. has been really. So, yeah. um, but I mean, also, you, you know, obviously on each night, Fox had a different set of talent. Yeah. Although I think Shift to Sheen was both nights. He was on both nights. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I can understand that. I also think, you know, obviously it used to be two minutes on the clock to make your pick. Hmm. But now with pick trading and whatever else, it's five minutes. And, you know, we saw what happened last year. There was a flurry of pick trades from pick sort of 16, you know, to pick 30. Yeah. And then it resets the clock. So um, that's where the, the length went last year. Yeah. And I think if the AFL could have had it, um, round the other way, get through last year. Not many pick trades get it all done. And then this year, have it ramped up. Uh, they would have probably got a better result. Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was just going to ask, what did you make of the fact that we had two Sudanese boys in the top 15? I think it's, um, you know, look, they're, they're, there's a lot of talent there. And you, I, I did read on some of their profile as the um you know Sudanese Australians and I think and we've seen it over the last few years when um clubs have um drafted Sudanese um born Australians they've they're performing well um Aliyah Aliyah is probably the big example I spoke of he had a great 2021 and I think um clubs are starting to see that as an opportunity and obviously paying more attention and, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the longer some of these kids have been in the country, the more they're playing AFL and, um, you know, athletic and tall and strong and um, perfect, yeah. perfect build for AFL football, really. Oh, yeah, their athletic profile's mm. amazing, isn't it? So, mm. you know, look at uh, Mac Andrew and some of the footage that they showed on draft yeah. night of him and you just think, wow. You know, and the fact that he's being touted as can be playing ruck or key back mm. or key forward, you think, gosh, or any other year that might be a recipe for pick one. Yeah. And I know he came with a bit of a rush, um, you know, towards the end of the year. Um, but, yeah, you think, gosh, that, that is a huge asset. Mm. So, yeah, uh, good pick by the Gulf Coast, I reckon. Oh, you know, they, their biggest problem is going to be keeping him up there, though, because that always seems to be the problem with the Gold Coast, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Mm. But, you know, also, I mean, and this shouldn't be discounted. You know, uh, Mario Charles has gone up there from Richmond, who, mm. you know, there could be an influence factor there, that sort of thing. So, um, who knows? It could be a very astute pick based oh, on the fact true. that they got yeah. that that uh, free agent or trade deal done. Yeah, yeah, you know, a couple of months ago. So, um, maybe they had that in mind. Maybe, yeah. Get one, get both, and uh, try and make the best of it. Hmm. So, do you think the pies were wrapped? Uh, were wrapped with the fact that Dacos slid to pick four after being touted as pick one for much of the year. I think they they were very happy with that because they didn't have to burn quite so many points to yeah. um, get it across the line. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, they all knew that um, he was going to be bid on and that Collingwood had the points, but, you know, I'm a bit of a troll, so I probably would have put that <laughs> bid in just to make them burn the points and oh, yeah. Absolutely. changes anything later on. Yeah, I mean, if I'm North Melbourne, um, I would, wouldn't have bid. I think I would have selected my own number one and taken all the... I suppose the inverted commas, the glory that goes with that. Yeah. You know, and I, I, that's completely fair enough. But if I'm GDRBUS, um, who cares if you bid twice or three times and 
the other cogs match the picks. Yeah. Yeah. That means that your picks down the, the other end are going to be all of a sudden elevated a fair bit because yeah. they've had to burn it. So uh, I think they did the right thing by bidding for Darcy. One, because of the type of player he is. Two, you know, the Bulldogs obviously were going to match. Mm. Uh, and I was disappointed they didn't bid for Dacos, but good on the Suns. Holding the pies accountable is what yeah. they want to see. Exactly. <laughs> so. The other thing I was surprised at, to be honest, in the top 10, no, no, we haven't really spoken about this much. A small forward picked at pick six. That doesn't happen very often. You don't see that very massive, often. Because yeah. massive wraps. Matt, Matt, massive upside as a player, but yeah, certainly you don't normally see that in the top um, 10, top 20, really. Uh, I can't think yeah. of many over the last um, few or last decade or more that. Um, well, probably Cyril's the one yeah. standout and Toby mm. Green, but I can't remember if he was a, a legitimate draft pick or a. Uh, pre, you know, yeah. pre-selection for the for the Giants, but I mean, mm-hmm. Rochelle is um, compared to Toby Green in the in yeah. scouting reports. You think, wow, if that's the case, as long as he keeps his head screwed on, he could be in. Yeah, mm. as long so. as he doesn't start headbutting umpires. <laughs> well, he'll probably only get him in the chest if you look at him. So. It's true. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, was, I mean, I know that touted to pick him from a long way at Adelaide, but um, yeah, good little pick, I think. Mm. So. Did you? Did anyone ever uh, find out why Hawthorne took ten minutes to pick their first pick? Uh, I couldn't work out what the delay was. No, but yeah. um, it did, it they did not, take their time, didn't they? It wasn't mentioned anywhere. I haven't mm. seen any media reports uh, about it. Yeah, one of our many loyal listeners could, yeah, mm. put something on the Facebook page. That'd be great. Mm. Um, one of our six or seven or twelve, thirteen. Come on, guys. Um, yeah, 13 or 14. Yeah, we're, we're up to about 13 or 14. Yeah. We're getting, um, we're growing, we, we're growing week on week. One per episode. I like it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it was just odd because you know, I could see the um, countdown clock going, getting down to, you know, 10 seconds or whatever. I'm thinking, come on, put your, put your pick in. And then it, it went to zero. And then the Fox team kept talking. No one mentioned the fact that the time had run out. And the Hawthorne box seemed pretty relaxed about things. I mean, what the mm-hmm. hell's going on? They've put their pick in, and then all of a sudden, five minutes later, it came up. So yeah. maybe they were having a conversation about a trade. Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, normally that would flash up saying, "Oh, they've had a been granted an extension," or yeah, true. or whatever. But there was absolutely nothing. So unless they put their pick in, and and um, mm. there was a technical issue at the AFL end. Yeah, you know. Um, who knows? But it just seemed odd that it wasn't even referred to. Mm. So, yeah. Um, anyway, if someone can let us know, that'd be good. So, mm. um, Speaking of Hawthorne picks, what do you think of their draft hall? Uh, I think they did quite well. Uh, if you read all the reports, I think they obviously were looking to uh, beef up the midfield, uh, which they've done. And a couple of the boys can also play forward as well, which is, which is good. Uh, I think... Uh, and then, the, you know, I think they um, uh, pulled the rug out from Carlton, which is always nice. Which is always good. Yeah, with uh, yeah, Donald coming in. I think Carlton were pretty keen on him. Um, and then I think they pulled the rug out from Fremantle, I think, with uh, picking up Jai Sarong, who appears, as they're looking at, as that sort of floating third tall, you know, replacement for, for Gunston when he moves on. So... I think overall they did pretty well. I think, um, you know, they've got four or five kids who are 
you know, in the key forward stocks now. So they don't really need to go down that pathway. The midfield, they need obviously depth. Um, and these boys have got two or three years to learn under some pretty good players, mm-hmm. assuming they all stay in Tom Mitchell and that before they really have to start, um, you know, producing. I was thinking it'd be nice to draft a key back though to sort of team up with Granger Barras and they could form that partnership over um, yeah, the next decade or so if that, if that comes to pass. But um, they didn't do that. And either they know that there's someone out there who they're going to get with the supplementary period or, um, you know, you and I are not really projecting forward into next year's draft and they may know that there's a couple out there next year. Who knows? Mm. But, um, yeah, so... Um, that's I, I thought it was pretty good. Would have liked a key back, but equally they know better than I. So who am I to cast about? So you would have been happy with Young Hobbs, but the Bombers you're already touting him as captain. All the future captain, future player. Brownlow medalist, premiership <laughs> player. Oh, look, Your, um, um, Facebook posts were very effusive. <laughs> look, I you know um, you look at his um, video highlights reel. You um, you look at his stats, and the, he he's a great package. He's a great. Um, midfielder the but the question that i i come to there is um where are they going to play him and how does he fit in because essendon already has a young midfield with a lot of depth it's um when you think about it he's now been added to a list that includes merit parish stringers running ran through the middle a fair bit in 2021 um langford they got in jai caldwell archie perkins runs through the midfield and you got um, you know, Dylan Shield there as well. Even McGrath spent a lot of time in the midfield. You know, he went down with injury, but he's coming back in. So um, there's there's potential to run through the midfield there. So yeah. I guess, um, you know, McGrath spent the early part of his career coming off halfback. So whether he goes back there, I, I look, it's, um, he, he, I, you know, he's, he's a super, he's going to be a superstar and I'm sure they have their reasons for finding him there. I, I guess I just expected them to, lean more towards that key position player, someone that could play down forward or down back just to, um, you know, fill in a gap at both ends. Yes, they were, um, they performed relatively well without a sort of A-grade superstar at either end this season gone, but I, I would have thought they'd try to bolster that. But, you know, I'm not the expert and Dodoro is. And um, I think they were excited by the fact that Hobbs got down to 13 because he could have gone anywhere in the top 10. Yeah. And um, the reports. Yeah. And you know, they've, they've taken advantage of it. I think um, it's going to be great. Um, Then next two picks, um, Alistair Lord's a a small defender. um, And, you know, I I don't, I don't know as much about him, but you know, he, um, he's obviously got a a fair bit of talent there. It's um, Garrett McDonough and not just because of his name is the one I'm probably, (laughs) It's a great most story, ex- isn't it? Yeah, most excited about more for the story than anything else. Like the fact that he's in his mid-20s, um, was overlooked on numerous occasions from his 18th birthday, reinvented himself, um, almost left to go and um, try and live out his NFL dream as a lot of fringe yeah. AFL level players do, but yeah. decided, no, I want to stay in Australia and give it a go. And basically cold emailed Adrian Dodoro and said, um, well, and, and a few other clubs, I'll admit, yeah. but um, yeah cold emailed and sent him a highlights package and got the call from, um, you know, according to the media today, got the call from Adrian a couple of um, weeks ago saying, look, we're looking at you. And, um, you know, if you're still available later on the draft, we're probably going to pick you up. And, um, you know, I always like a mature age recruit because they've already got, you know, the 
yeah, and you know, he's been playing in the VFL, so he's got the stamina, he's match fit, and he's yeah. got the body strength there that a lot of the 18 yeah, he's, year olds he's a man. won't yeah. have. So, um, yeah. Yeah, they, they've, they've picked him to fill a spot and I um, expect to see him playing games early next year. I, I it's a great story. I think the thing I love about that story the most is, like you said, he's uh, not given up on the dream. He's gone away and worked hard. And then he's done it without having a manager to prop him up and just emailed a handful of clubs and said, here I am, yeah. you know, happy to have a chat, whatever it was. Um, I just love the fact, you know, because, you know, I mean, a lot of these kids, and we talked about how well they spoke and things like that earlier, you know, they've had a manager for two years already since I was 16. Mm. Um, you know, uh, so they're well-versed in what they have to do. Yeah. They get everything. I won't say give it to them. They've got to go and work hard and do the right things themselves. But um, they get they get, a, they get proper advice, though. Yeah, correct, yeah. correct. And for a young guy to go and cut his teeth and, and work hard and, mm. and then have the gumption, because let's be honest, it's not an easy email to write selling yourself. No. Um, you know, to uh, send uh, yeah, cold emails, just going into a brilliant yeah. story. So um, I love stories like that. I think it's really yeah. good. So, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, he, he averaged over 20 disposals a game for Richmond in the um, VFL. So he's a, yeah. a reasonable player playing off the halfback there. I think he adds a fair bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that's, that's a good pickup. So. Mm. Um, now, what did you make, or did you make anything of the pick swap that surrounded the Bombers' first pick with uh, Port Adelaide going from 14 to 12 um, with, um, uh, I think, West Coast getting another second-round pick for next year as well? Mm. Um, do you think, was it cloak and dagger stuff by the Bombers putting out that they're looking at Josh Sin? Or was it Josh Sin? I think that's his name. Um Really, then they wanted Hobbs or, or someone else and Port Adelaide got spooked? Or do you think, um, yeah, you got tripped up a little bit and, and Hobbs was the next best? No, I um, I reckon they wanted Hobbs or uh, um, I reckon they wanted Ben Hobbs all along. I um, also, uh, I don't think it was too unexpected if you look at the experts. Um, uh, Cal Twomey did his... Um, ghost draft and actually had Hobbs slipping down to 13 and suggested that it was the most likely pickup for Essendon. I, yeah. I, um, yeah, I look, it, I wouldn't put it past Adrian to um, put it out there and get the others spooked and get it and playing around, but I think they were always going to um, pick him if he got to there. Um, and if not look at, uh, like I said, the forward or the back was the sort of backup yeah. option there. Yeah. Did you have anyone in mind? Like, did you be thinking, Oh geez, it would be great to get that guy. As it was uh, counting down to the pick, or oh well, you know, um, the um, it would have been a great story to get um, Gavin Wanganeen's nephew in the club and yeah. get the name there again. So that was sort of, you know, one that I had had a look at beforehand and thought, yeah, he'd um, fit in well. But you know, look, I I've got nothing to complain about with um, Ben Hobbs there. I think he, um, you know, just the way he spoke on the night and the way he you know obviously as an Essendon supporter I've um consumed every bit of me and being at home in lockdown I've consumed every <laughs> bit of media that's come out since then he just seems um so well spoken and got his head screwed on right and I think um he's going to fit in quite well yeah no, I think it's a, it's a good pick actually he's done pretty mm. well so yeah yeah and uh, did you make anything at the rookie drafts or anything like that I just think it's a waste of time now to be perfectly honest uh look um you know Essendon did take one pick in the rookie draft, Patrick Voss, um, yeah. you know, an actual rookie, um, you know. Team from relation? 
I don't actually know if he's a relation to um, the, um, you know, he came out of the Oakley Chargers. And he was in the yeah. GWS Academy, but they didn't pick him up. Um, yeah. But it's pretty laughable, the um, rookie draft, given yeah. some of the players that get... It, it's, um, it's now putting players out to pasture so you can have them count for less of your salary cap. And yeah. That's not what it was invented for. No. That's not what it's designed to do. And I think, um, you know, you either bite the bullet and change the rules about how the salary caps counts for players over a certain age or certain number of games or you just scrap it all together and yeah. add the salary cap commensurate. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I wish I think the second option really. Just if it, uh, the rookie list, I think when it started, was it Sheedy who brought the idea in? He had to replace the old uh, supplementary list yeah. back in the 80s and 90s. Um, yeah, I think a rookie could only be up to 22 years of age when it first came yeah. in. And, you know, by its name, rookie, um, hmm. that is what it should be. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I think, you know, someone like Pods the Adley was rookied early and at yeah. the age of 28, but he mm. hadn't played an AFL game. So that's yeah. kind of fair enough. So, um, yeah, I just think it's being used for the wrong reasons or reasons of convenience and the AFL sort of haven't really done much to, um, I mean, I'm sure they're all across it. And, yeah, but the fact that it started at three o'clock and finished by, 340 mm. and there were 20 picks most clubs passed after one pick or not at all yeah. Mm. Um, yeah it's it's almost as defunct as the preseason draft even though there were two preseason draft picks as well which i don't understand at all mm. yeah so, um, plus you know but you know the fact that a player like levi casbolt who's played hundreds of games of afl football yeah can be picked as a rookie at 30 something at yeah yeah is just, um, yeah, it makes a mockery of the system. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think let's, let's just have a draft. Mm. And then if players are injured, put them on the injury list. And if clubs want to go into pre-season holding two spots over, then they've got 43 players instead of 45. Mm. And then they can pick uh, a player over summer or keep it for pre-season draft or whatever they want to do. So, yeah. yeah. So, um do you think the Bombers are going to get anybody over summer or are they going to keep the powder dry, essentially? Um, well, they've got a spot left on the list, I believe, and um, they have invited a couple of people down to train. I um, um, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but I was um, saw that on Twitter today. A couple of the prominent Essendon media slash podcaster types were out at training and talking about some extras that were out there training with them. So they're obviously got their eyes on a couple of people to fill that last spot, but whether they do or whether they save that to the mid season draft next year, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fair. Um, there's an interesting mechanism out now, actually, I think. Yeah. I mean, it does give people that last opportunity mm-hmm. and it, it kind of, to me, it almost should be used for, uh, and I'll use Hawthorne as the example, you know, the, the preseason where Tom Mitchell did his, Broke his leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, an obvious season ending injury. And you're like, okay, we, is it fair that you go into the season one down through pre season training? Um, you know, I know it's the same rules for everybody, but should that be the opportunity where you get to pick up a player? Um, or should they just have a list spot open and, and take the risk? I'm not sure. So, 
I haven't heard of anything that Hawthorne mm. are doing, although we've got yeah. one spot open. Yeah. So today's media day was all about introducing the new kids and introducing Sam Mitchell, who quite interestingly pointed out that he didn't have a clue about how we were going to play next year. So I, I did if, see, if I did see that, that comment. It's like, yeah. guest. Mm. So, um, you know, I thought it was an interesting comment to make. I mean, I think if you know Sam Mitchell well enough, uh, that could be further from the truth. Mm. However, if we lose our first three or four games by 50 points, then... Uh, what do you think the headline's going to be? <laughs> pressure on new coach, pressure on no... club president, pressure on everybody. I think it'll be pressure on coach who has no clue or something like yeah. that. So, but, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, but it's, you know, it's a perfectly, um, it's funny, like we laugh about it, but like, to be honest, it's perfectly valid what he's saying because Hawthorne's list is a relatively young list um with the players coming through yes you've got your um um your scullies and the like that you tried to move on but couldn't but um like you know if some of those young players outperform themselves like a lot of the bombers did um last season then you know who knows where you're going to finish on the ladder oh yeah exactly right but i also think that um it's probably more to do with the fact that you know from last season's coaching panel it's only mitchell and uh, chris newman Mm. Uh, who are still there. Andy Collins has come from, you know, helping Mitchell at Box Hill to now being the development manager. Um, and then we've picked up Hart, Robert Harvey, Adrian Hickmott, David Hale. Um, so pretty much it's, you know, four or five new voices and a couple from last season who are, who have remained. Everyone else is, you know, I think Collingwood have got, obviously, Craig McRae and, um, uh, oh, I can picture his face, uh, Brendan Bolton. You know, and a couple of others have gone elsewhere. So, um, so I think it'd be more about the coaching staff. But I'm pretty certain that Sam Mitchell would have a pretty fair direction of what he wants to achieve. So. Oh, he's got he's got goals and KPIs and expectations for the season. Absolutely. But I, I did like the guy. I thought it was quite cheeky, and he's quite mm. a cheeky yeah. personality as it is. So, who could forget that glorious sledge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bringing the game into disrepute. That was, oh, should have gone down. Okay. Outrageous. I don't want to start World War Three, but it was, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it was one of those things where I look back and go, not in great taste. Mm. Oh, well. You can look back bomber. and laugh now, though. Yeah, yeah well, I can. So some bombers haven't forgiven him yet, but... Uh, no. No. So, mm. yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for both of our clubs because, I mean, the key questions for you guys, in my opinion, are can you sustain the run that you had last year? Mm. Um and as you've mentioned a couple of times over the last few weeks, um, with those young boys playing so well last year, are they going to get hit with the second-year blues syndrome? Mm. Or are they going to be able to you know, maintain the rage? And then, um, yeah, is Darcy Parrish going to be able to back up the year that he had? Because he was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then um, and on the other side of that, you know, with players being pretty fit and coming back from injury, what does that do for that midfield mix? You know, uh, Is he now the top dog? Or is... Yeah, Dylan Shield going to come back and Dylan Shield come back into side. Dylan Shield's going to think that Dylan Shield's the top dog. Whether, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. But uh, yeah. And, and and by right, I'm not saying he should, but every AFL player should think that. Oh, look, I, I want them so, to have that healthy competition, and I hope it pushes them on to um, you know, bigger and better things. Yeah, you just don't want them sulking in the background, saying, yeah. "Oh, he's playing 80 percent midfield. He's taking my spot." You want yeah. him to be going right. I will. I'll add on a wing, I'll do what I have to do, and then I'll get in there when it's yeah. my turn. So, um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see with the Bombers. 
Yeah. So. Uh, and but you know, then you're adding Hobbs to the mix as well. So they're going to be running a lot of players through that midfield next season, and it'll be interesting to see how they manage it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Who's the uh, midfield coach down there? Do you know? Oh, Have can't. they come out with the who's doing each line this year? No, oh, I can't even remember off the top of my head. I haven't seen that yet. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it'd be interesting to see because I mean, there's Hobbs going to cut his teeth at half back, half forward, hmm. like a lot of players. Yeah. Who's going to be rotating through and all that sort of stuff? So yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's what he, um, as a junior, he'd, he'd move down forward for his break and, and run forward and kick a few goals. So yeah. I, I imagine he'll be spending a bit of time as sort of that half forward flank type role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, no, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm fervently hoping you finish ninth and we can mm-hmm. carry on with our countdown, <laughs> count up. Yes. Um, so. No, look. 17 years later, I think 17 years is um, long enough. I, I don't know that we'll um, go through an 18th or longer. I can <laughs> I can see many finals wins in the um, in the 2022 season for the Bombers. Oh, well, let's hope not, please. <laughs> I've got about four people already. With, mm. uh, hashtag 7,000. Yeah. They're not happy about it, but I'm going to keep running with it until I can't. Why not? Um, <laughs> before we end tonight, there's uh, probably one more... Um, thing we have to touch on from draft night and that's the um hugh greenwood replacement what do you th- what do you make of them um picking up charlie constable oh, i loved it for two reasons we pilloried the gold coast for letting yeah you know, how could hugh greenwood be on the chopping block mm. yeah you know, how could you how could that happen we lauded north melbourne for actually having the balls to to make it happen yeah uh, and then i i'm wrapped the gold coast actually thought well you know what we could actually get ourselves an upgrade here because uh, he's a lot younger mm. and potentially the potential is a, you know, a bad word in, in football circles, yeah. but it's what draft night's all about. Uh, yeah, potentially they could have an upgrade on Hugh Greenwood by bringing in Constable. Um, and also, it, it, yeah, if you look at Geelong, you think, well, why would you let him go? I still don't know why Geelong um, oh, let him crazy. go. I, I think um, that... Um, they've got a steal there. I think, you know, like you said, he's a younger version of a similar type of player. He's, um, I can see more upside and they're probably paying him less money. Yeah, exactly. Or at least right. in the first couple of seasons anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and you think, you know, yeah, poor old Matty Brown has had two pretty stiff seasons, even though mm. he's shown that he's going to be pretty awesome. Um, I imagine sort of bringing Constable in to back that up. Um I just think it's a it's a really good move from the Gold Coast. Part of me wants them to do well, not at Hawthorne's expense, obviously, but just to get the mucky off the back and stick it up everyone who's been bagging them from pillar to post. But um, yeah, I I just think it's a great pick, and it it sticks it up Geelong, who said, "Yeah, you know, we'll re rookie you again, like a mockery mm. of the rookie draft. If you don't want someone, why would you delist them?" Yeah, uh, and I think good on Charlie Constable because he was literally staring down the barrel of going to back to Geelong yeah um so yeah who knows I think um I, I still stand by my um points of you know a couple of months ago saying that Geelong could legitimately fall off the cliff in the second half of next year and he might have been someone who comes in for a sell or someone who's injured or not performing yeah uh and it's an automatic lift and now they don't have it so mm. yeah and it's their own like silly it. fault yeah Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I was happy with it. Yeah. Look, I hope um, Constable proves Geelong wrong. I hope that um, 
like you, Gold Coast have a reasonable season and finish about midfield, you know, ninth yeah. or tenth, not eighteenth. Um, but yeah, I, I I just thought that was a great pickup by um them on the night, and I'm glad to see Constable get that second chance because I think he deserves yeah. it. That was pick what sixty something. Mm. So yeah, it was one of the, it was one of the last picks of the night. I can't remember if it was um yeah peanuts yeah. really. Mm. And I, I must admit, I was sort of sitting there thinking, well, hang on, Hawthorne had pick fifty three. If you want to bolster your midfield, well. Why wouldn't you have a crack? Mm. And maybe they, I don't know. I mean, obviously they saw that the the forward option was the one to go with. But um, um, yeah, maybe it was a rookie draft thinking they'll they'll snap him up the next day, or yeah, yeah they weren't thinking that at all. But uh, well, I would have been definitely looking at him, yeah, because he's a proven commodity. Well, at least at VFL level. But he also yeah. has done a pretty good, yeah, few, few good games for the Cats at AFL level. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, he um he's he's he has played at the top level and proven that he can play at the top level. It's just Geelong with their um geriatric list couldn't find a spot for him. <laughs> yeah, and they're exactly. going to regret it um when they don't win a premiership again this year, and then they have realised that they have to actually rebuild because um yeah. you know they're going to have a heap of retirements coming in a very short period of time. Oh, I I hundred percent agree. Yeah, uh, you know, and uh, there's a few salaries get kicking around there that. Causing a couple of concerns with yeah, Jeremy Cameron's salary, for instance, and a few others. Uh, but their midfield is going to be decimated um, mm. over the next three years. Selwood, Dangerfield, Duncan, Smith. Yeah, they're all wrong side of 30. Yeah. And all getting banged up. Um, and then, yeah, who are the boys coming through? I mean, there's mm. a few like Parfit and things like that, but I feel like Constable Go, just like that, is mm. just unbelievable. So. Anyway, yeah. sucks to be them. Sucks to be them. In our opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they may come out and prove us. They'll probably come out and prove us all wrong and make a preliminary final again. But um, yeah. I can't see that going on for too much longer, though. Oh, and look, good on them if they do. But uh, I'll, stand, I'll stand by my statements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Well, I don't have much else to talk about draft night, to be honest. How neither do I. Say? No. Um, that's... Yeah. That has been another episode of the Line in the Sand podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review. Have a great night. Thanks, everybody.